Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, Josh Pacheco and Hunter Hughes. One of the, the, the key, you know, like I said, there's a number of factors on why we made this transition, or we will be making this transition. One of them had to do with stability. Um, and we feel strongly moving forward that the stability in the Big 12 will give us the platform we need to uh, have success in the future. Off the Bench on ESPN Honolulu. You know what else Rick George said, the athletic director there at Colorado in the uh, first press conference? Well, they're not part of the Big 12 yet. They will be um, next year. He also said they want to be with Fox and ESPN, which tells you that the Pac-12 probably won't be with Fox and ESPN uh, starting in 2024. If you're wondering, uh, Colorado, starting in 2024, uh, will join the Big 12. We talked about it yesterday uh, as the reports were starting to come in that this was going to happen. Uh, Colorado's Board of Regents voted on it today. Last night, we, we talked about the, uh, the, the Big 12's presidents met via conference call. Um, 1999 wanted, they wanted their mode of communication back. <laughs> um, they met via conference call, unanimously approved, um, the, uh, did they have to use internet dial up as well? You've got mail. <laughs> we miss you America online. For real. Um, shout out to AIM. If, uh, if you, if you, if you would like to speak, press zero to unmute yourself. Wow. I don't miss those days. No. Whatsoever. Thank God. Um, so Big 12 unanimously approved that you know there there would be an invite. And then um, today, Colorado voted uh, unanimously. It was very quick uh, to make the approval. And here we are, where Colorado is going to be there in a year. And, and you heard that, right? Yeah. Um, stability. Yeah. Um, stability was seemingly there. And then when the Pac-12 could not announce a TV deal in a timely fashion, you all of a sudden realized um, stability was not there in the Pac-12. And at some point, you can't just keep waiting and waiting and waiting. And, and that's where Colorado had to be the one to jump first. Yeah, how do you throw shade without throwing shade? Mm -hmm. I think it's like this. <laughs> yeah. The one thing that we were focused on was stability. And they're not wrong. And to me, Josh, it, th th this whole thing, yes, okay, I understand Colorado was in the Big 12 in the past. There's some history there. There's some, uh, I don't know, like a, a remembrance to the past, and it's just kind of a logical thing. Okay, they're coming back. But when you look at the out, you know, just top to bottom of the Pac-12, how does Oregon not consider their options right now? How does Utah not consider their options right now. Washington, Arizona, you know, from from a a big dog mentality, Colorado's middle to lower tier of the oh, Pac-12 no even right now. Yeah. So to to me, this seems like if they opened up their arms this quickly to Colorado, what's stopping them from opening their arms to an Oregon, a Washington, a Utah? Because I, it, if it really is as unstable as Colorado is painting the picture right now. What's stopping these guys? Remember when we we talked to Brian Howell yesterday from BuffZone.com and the uh, the Boulder Daily Camera, and, and remember when 
I asked, you know, is the Dion effect real? And he didn't really say no. I mean, like to a small degree, there is a a bump you get from having a name head coach. Um, And I do think that it is real also to this factor. Colorado, you're right. Pac-12, not great. Um, They're walking into a Big 12 that is going to be different than what it was when it left. Um, And they may still be, you know, they may not be a conference champion, but Dion maybe in, in going to the Big 12 gives you a little bit of a bump as long as they're there. Um, and I think you could you could argue, okay, Colorado won't have Texas to deal with. Yep, won't have Oklahoma to deal with. They won't have A&M because they were in there when A&M was there. Yep. Um, you know, they, uh, they won't, won't have Mizzou in there. That's Nobody misses Mizzou. I know, but you're not wrong. The SEC um, doesn't really want Mizzou right now either. Bless their hearts. Um, <laughs> no Nebraska. Yep, that's true. Nebraska's in the Big Ten. Um, you're, you're hitting on a good point here. The Big 12 is going to be completely new. Because for the better part of the last decade, it's been Oklahoma or Texas. Mm-hmm. Really? Um, other than this last year where TCU kind of snuck in there and, you know, got the job done and got the, the bid into the CFP. But before then, it was Oklahoma's conference. So Colorado is able to t- skate in there without much effort mm-hmm. and more of a payday and an increase in competition on multiple sports. I mean, Baylor just won a national championship in basketball yeah. last season, or two seasons ago. Uh, thank you. Um, TCU just went into the CFP. Uh, Baylor, uh, Coach uh, Randa over there is killing it over there at Baylor. It is a completely different conference than, hey, I guess we're, we're just going to show up and hope Oklahoma doesn't hang 50 on us because that's probably what's going to happen. And to be clear, too, it's not uh, – I don't think any of us are saying, oh, all of a sudden Colorado is now uh, – the, the Big 12 is Colorado's conference. No, no, no. I think, it's, I think it's probably now between Baylor and Oklahoma State. I don't even give it to BYU yet. Um, give that a couple of years. I think BYU will be there, just we, not we, right now. We, we never give it to BYU. No. <laughs> not here. Oh. Not on this show, Josh. Not on your side of That's the right. table. On your side of the table, <laughs> BYU does not exist in your world. Oh, no, they exist. They just uh, they, they, they deserve with an L next to their name. So. Um, but uh, BLU. You know, but Colorado is not a bottom tier anymore. Colorado That's is right. now like middle tier. Yeah. I put them on uh, – I was about to head down the giving Colorado more of the benefit of the doubt, but Dion does not have one season under his belt yet as Colorado's head coach. Think of everything that has gone down thus far yeah. since Dion took the job. Mass exodus of his team, almost getting his foot amputated. Right. Um, and his school is exiting the conference that they've been in for – more than the last decade, all before he's even ran out of – sorry, he's going to hobble onto the field oh boy. for his first game as head coach. Yeah, Pretty remarkable for what Colorado's been able to do in the last six months. Yeah, um, and I think we were talking about this earlier. I, I think what will happen here will, will take place in the next seven days. Um, the Big 12 – 
will control things very quickly here. Uh, Brett McMurphy's reporting here within the last 20 minutes, I think it was. Big 12 will look to add between one to three more schools. First things first, they're going to go after the Pac-12. If they can get three schools from the Pac-12 that gets them to 16 uh, in 2024, they're good. Um, because they don't, I don't think they want to be in an, in an odd number. If they can't get those schools from the Pac-12, then they'll probably go after a, a group of five, like an SMU or a Tulane or a, um, UNLV's been floated around a little bit here recently, San Diego State. I, I think there is one thing we need to note, though, about San Diego State or UNLV. The Pac-12 is almost guaranteed to be at nine next year. Yeah. Unless... San Diego State or UNLV want to pay that, what, 34 mil? Well, right now, before even considering other teams entering, you're correct because SC, UCLA, and Colorado are gone. gone. That's right. So that's 12 down to 9. Right. That is correct. So you want – I don't think you want to be at 9 next year uh, because that's really awkward. So – if you want to populate that quickly next year, you've got to convince San Diego State that paying $34 million to get out is a good idea. Yep. Or UNLV to pay $34 million to get out. I don't know what SMU's exit fee is. I don't know what Tulane's exit fee is um, out of the uh, American Athletic Conference. You've got to convince them to say you're good with leaving in less than 12 months. And I... Don't see a world in which, because if you were going to do that, the Pac-12 has probably got to pay some of that exit fee. And I don't know where they're going to get that money from Mm. if they don't have a great TV deal uh, that's coming in. So to me, in the next seven days, I wouldn't be surprised if there are three Pac-12 schools that start announcing that they're leaving. And then the Pac-12 is toast. They're Mm. not going to go into next year with six. You're done at that point. Man. Um, and maybe coincidentally, Jim Phillips of the ACC says they're open to expansion. What attributes do you have that account for 12? Um, for which conference? Oh, Big the 12. Pac- oh, just the, the name. Pac-12. Um, Once they're dead. Like, to me, the numbers next to their name are irrelevant anyway. Oh, yeah. They for, for years. For modern conferences, but... Normally, because the number is more than what that number represents. Mm-hmm. Pac-12, it's going to be less than what that number is. Right. Yeah, Pac-12, but they only have nine schools. Yeah, or if you go down to six, then then the new name is the Zip Pack. Nice. Sorry, I only saw that in my app yesterday. I have a, I have a reward thing for a free Zip Pack, Whoa. and I've had it there for like a year, and I haven't used it yet. Are we offering that to people that come down to the studio and, and get that? No. Oh, okay. No, that's 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 staying in my app. It's gotcha. Not going Josh else. will use if it. If you if you want one, I will <laughs> order one for you. Um, that's but that's that's not going in any randoms okay. here. Um, yeah, I I just can't see an area where the Pac-12 magically gets back to 12 in less than a year. And what's clear is when I hear Colorado's AD saying we want to be aligned with Fox and ESPN. That also tells me the TV deal, which whatever they had, is 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 not looking even close to what they've had prior. I've got a question. Okay, Colorado leaving the Pac-12. I'm sure there's an exit fee for them. 
I'm sure. Well, the thing is, I don't. I don't know if there is because if you don't have a TV deal, mm. how much can you really charge for them to leave? You've got you've got no place to to, to put games, which means you have no revenue that you're given to those schools. Because I I think at this point. Colorado, I mean, uh, the Pac-12 is going to seriously need to consider using the exit fee from one school and donating it, if yeah. you will, to another school's exit fee like a San Diego State right? to help convince them to jump over. Because it's it's too large for San Diego State to leave the Mountain West. That's already been made clear. Yeah. Otherwise, they would have been over there. And by the way, you're correct. Colorado does not have to pay an exit fee because it coincides with the end of the TV deal. That's why if you're... Man, the Pac-12 is screwed. If, if you're Arizona, Washington, Oregon, Arizona State, or if you're Utah. anybody else... This is the window for you to get out of here out. before a television deal is remotely signed and sealed. Like, this is the perfect time. And to me, Utah and Arizona, from a geography strand- standpoint, it's almost a, a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Because you're, you're basically looking at Iowa. West Virginia is the furthest east in the, Pac- the Pac-12. I mean, sorry, the, the Big 12. Um, and then you get some other southern states, you know, in Texas and Oklahoma. But that's not a far plane ride. No. And in fact, they talked about it. The athletic director said the university considered that its athletes will be traveling less and play in more favorable time slots and still return to campus earlier for road games, which if you look at where they are, that is a carbon copy of what schools like Utah and Arizona and right. Arizona State could be saying. It makes perfect sense for them to see that and say, this is right up our alley. Pac-12 is the new whack. Yeah. And you know what? The Big 12 has a good streaming agreement, which I like. I, I, The Big 12 and the American have a really good one where, honestly, most of their games are not on linear TV. Most of their games are on ESPN+, Plus, mm. as far as football is concerned. They've got that Big 12 now on, on ESPN+, Plus, but ESPN+, Plus is so widely known, and they still have some good slots on television that the best games go there. The not-so-great ones go to ESPN+, Plus, but it's produced so well, and ESPN+, Plus is still relatively cheap in the market, that it, the, the, um, the digital is not a detriment. The digital is actually a really good thing um, in putting the conference in a, uh, in a, in a different kind of footprint. Hmm. So I think it makes a lot of sense. I, I think it's something that you really do have to consider, and, and I think you do have to do. But again, um, it's... Uh, it's very clear. It's almost a swipe at USC and UCLA in a way. They're going to the Big Ten. Their athletes are going to have to travel a lot. Big time. Yeah. Could literally go from L.A. to New York and play the next day yep. if you're playing against Rutgers. Yep. Two, three, uh, texter from the 233 VR Zephyr Insurance text line. 34 mil seems very steep to go into a conference that is on such uncertainty. If three more schools bolt, then it's a conference even worth less than it was before. Then that school spent all those millions for being in a skeleton conference. I mean, it is. It's well, it's a it's it's a skeleton conference that was later picked apart by wolves. And now, with all of this, considering San Diego State's decision to stay in the Mountain West, they might be considering staying in the Mountain West as better for their school than um than departing no doubt 
that, that that really has to be part of it's not just the steep fee it's what's best for their school and to be a part of a conference that hey in the words of a coach that is leave or uh, an AD, an AD. That, that is leaving is um I'm I set it up and I, I lost the word <laughs> um is is going to be around for the long haul yeah this uh, like I said next seven days I think are gonna be very telling um, coming up on the show, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Um, he is 40 and literally kicking. Just watch him in the octagon. He's literally kicking. Yeah. Uh, he's going nice. to be on the uh, thanks uh, main event card of UFC 291, which is on pay-per-view this weekend from Utah. Our conversation with him coming up at the bottom of the hour. Trent Rush from KLAA covering the Los Angeles Angels. I want to I want to um, get. I want to stay on conference realignment, but we'll do that a little bit later because I see how much time we have for the next segment. So I want to talk about the Angels a little bit. Otani was um, a unicorn today for, for, I guess, the cool people use unicorn. He already is a unicorn. Yeah, I I guess today he was. And later, (laughs) the Ocho's back. Yes. So I'm going to play with Hunter Hughes. I'm going to list off the new things that they're going to have on the Ocho this year. And I'm going to ask you, Watchable or unwatchable? That's coming up. We'll do that at the uh, the last segment of every hour because it's 43 hours worth of stuff. So Perfect. there's going to be a lot of stuff. Uh, support the Brotherhood at the 26th Annual Pigskin Pig Out at Murphy's Bar and Grill, August 16th. Enjoy a hosted evening that includes a roasted pig dinner, beverages, and a great auction. Tickets now at Murphy's or HawaiiBowlFoundation.org. We talk about unicorns. No, not like that. It's ESPN Honolulu. Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, I love I love getting the Eagles in there. It's just yep. the circumstance is a little unfortunate. Randy Meisner uh, passing away at the age of 77, one of the founding members of the group. Uh, this is, of course, one of these nights is one of their hits. There are some others. So we're going to do, um, we're, we're going to get an Eagles song mm-hmm. an hour. You obviously, you gave me one. It's not going to be much of a surprise. We'll throw it in there yeah. next hour anyway. Uh, it is off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson uh, coming up in about eight minutes, courtesy of the Aloha Kia hotline. Shohei Otani. Um, wow. Today was everything, and um, today was like a week for some major leaguers. And it was like... A week for two major league players, <laughs> a pitcher and a hitter. You're right. I was trying to save myself on that, and you caught it pretty quickly. Um, he, he throws a one-hit shutout, complete game shutout, in game one of a doubleheader because yesterday was rained out, so he throws that. And then in game two, a um, couple of home runs, and then gets hurt. Uh, he cramped up and left that game. Uh, but still, he's got 38 home runs. He's got... Um, He's got a complete game shutout, and he also got to address the whole trade rumor thing today. I mean, 
we, we, we're in an industry that tries to find superlatives for a lot of things, and then you watch him and you have nothing to say. It's just you know jaw wide open, wondering what on earth he's going to do next because he seems to find something to do next all the time. Speaking of what to do next, uh, if they wanted to, they could probably put him on the quarterback series for Netflix, <laughs> and he would do just fine. Because it seems like every quarterback they ask for next season says, no, I'm good. Yeah. Um, he was asked about his future in L.A., by the way. Yeah. And he said, uh, and I quote, I don't really like to think about the long-term stuff in season. Just focus on this season and every game that's in front of me. Obviously, I've been with the Angels my whole career here. I love the fans. I love the team. No complaints. He also mentioned the team being sellers at one point and said, you know, the, the GM was doing their job where they had to be sellers. Said, now we're in a different situation. I think we're making acquisitions to try and get us better and get us over that hump. I think us as players, we've just got to do our jobs. Close quote. If I'm an Angels fan, feel hopeful. Absolutely. Yeah, if he's that positive, even with all of this, I, I'm in a good place. And some of this has to do with the front office's chess moves, if you will, Josh, yeah. to communicate to him that they want to win and they want to win now. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson coming up after Sports Center. It's off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. Coming up in uh, just about 15 minutes, in honor of ESPN the Ocho, ESPN ate the Ocho. I've been leaving the eight out because I figured Ocho, you know, one eight is enough. Yeah. Um, In honor of ESPN eight, the Ocho coming back. Uh, we're going to play watchable or unwatchable with uh, some of the historically new things uh, that are going to be part of ESPN 8, the Ojo this year. That coming up in uh, just about 15 minutes. All of our guests appear courtesy of the Aloha Kia hotline. Visit alohakia.com. At Aloha Kia, you know a guy. Steven Wonderboy Thompson is on the main card of UFC 291. Uh, on Saturday, you can watch the main card on pay-per-view. The um, uh, prelims are on ABC and ESPN prior to that from Salt Lake City. And uh, when we talked to him earlier today, I said I, I didn't really realize you were 40. You fought every year since 2011. He's coming up on his 20th UFC bout. So he asked, how the heck are you doing it? Man, let me tell you. Well, number one, this the style that I have. Yeah, I don't take a t- whole lot of punishment when I'm out there, just with the movement and that karate style that I have. But two, I think most importantly is how we train. You know, training smarter. Uh, my dad's been training fighters for for many, many, many years, and we just train smart, man. We don't we don't beat each other up in the gym. We take ample time off after fights. We're not we're not trying to rush back in there, um, and you know, just just uh you know, taking care of our bodies throughout the, I spend more time in rehab and taking care of my body in this camp than I ever have before. And that's what it takes. And a lot of guys aren't willing to, to do what it takes to be able to get to that or to be able to keep that body healthy. You know what I mean? They feel like they have to be tough guys all the time and they got to take care of that body first. Yeah. And, uh, that has led you to now what, what's going to be your, your 20th UFC bout, by the way, you mentioned your, your dad uh, as someone who has trained a lot of fighters and is, and has worked with you. What has been the biggest reward for you of being able to, to train with him and have him as a, as an integral part of your team? Man, just, just being with him and training with him, you know, there's a lot of guys out there who, who, you know, 
didn't have that kind of time they had that I have with my father. So I try to, you know, take uh, advantage of that as much as I can. You know, my dad has always told me, man, spend as much time as with us as possible because we won't we won't always be here, and that that kind of always stuck with me. But be able to do something that we both love to do, and to be able to hang out and 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 uh, you know chat about that on on a regular basis means the world to me, man. And uh, that's what I get back from this. I mean, we know how to separate it. You know, in the gym, he's coach. Outside of that, he's pops. And I think um, for a lot of people, um, especially with father-son duos, it doesn't work out that way. You know, you've seen a lot of guys out there, Roy Jones and, um, you know, Mayweather. I think once the athlete starts to get a little success, they feel like, you know, they're, they don't need to listen to their roots anymore. And I think, um, you know, I, I try to be as observant as possible and not do that in my situation. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson joining us uh, as we get ready for UFC 291 in Salt Lake City. Uh, Stephen's with us, courtesy of the Aloha Kia Hotline. Stephen, um, Jorge Masvidal has that self-imposed BMF uh, nickname in the UFC, and we've heard that you kind of have one for yourself, too, as the NMF, or nicest guy in the UFC. <laughs> and so it, just wondering if they did happen to make a belt for that, who would you fight against for the nicest guy in the UFC? And I, I got to be honest, this interview, it's kind of holding up, man. It's kind of true. Oh man, dude. Well, to be honest with you, there's a lot of guys in the welterweight division that are super nice, man. <laughs> but if I were to pass this thing off to anybody, it is, and it, it doesn't even have to be in my weight class, but you know, you got guys like Michael Chiesa, you got guys like Vicente Luque, who are super nice, man. Jeff Neal. Um, but then you have guys like Max Holloway, who's just the, just the sweetest guy you've ever met in your life. Really they're is. Nice, but they don't they don't they don't look like it when they when they're in the cage. But in real life, they're the they're the sweetest people you've ever met in your life. So there's a few guys that I would pass it uh, or or fight for the belt for um, in my weight class. So there's just a few right there who is just awesome people. I feel like the MF part, though, if we had to do the nicest MF, I feel like to, in order for it to be nice, the MF part would have to be changed, wouldn't it? I, I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> and that's how I say it. I say the nicest MF, or I don't say I – don't, I don't actually say it. You that's know? right. You can't if you're the nicest guy. Hey, you're already built for radio, man. You're already cleaning it up. <laughs> yeah. but, and it's also kind of <laughs> ironic if we're, if we're fighting for nicest guy in the UFC that we're fighting for it. <laughs> I know, right? We're actually fighting for the nicest guy. Well, it's funny because everybody's like, you know, um, there, there's a they see the the switch a little bit. Whenever I step out there in the cage, there's a little switch that happens in your mindset, right? You gotta you gotta put yourself in that gladiator, that warrior mindset. But you then you but out there you get little snippets of the NMF or like you know my opponent falls down, I let him I let him back up, and I'm pretty sure I have more high fives during fights than I have than anybody else in the UFC roster. So I'm always high-fiving my opponent out there. It's hilarious. Speaking of your opponent, um, I know you were talking about Pereira, uh, who you've got coming up. Um, you know, he is trying to rise there in the welterweight rankings. He's at uh, number 15. Uh, you're above him, but I know you're expecting something pretty fun uh, coming up on Saturday. Yes, you know, we both come from a karate background. He also has trained in uh, capoeira, which is a very acrobatic martial arts um, style, and he brings that to the cage. You see him out there flipping and backflipping, running off the cage, flying in guys. And with my, I mean, of course, uh, 
you know, with my style, with the spin kick in and the flying kick, it, it, it's, it's very exciting. But I think he's going to be a little bit more intelligent out there in this fight because, you know, you've seen in the past um, him kind of fatigue out there during the fight. And plus, we're at, you know, 4,500 feet above sea level. The elevation is going to be a little bit different. I think he's going to be a little bit smarter when it comes to conserving his energy. So I believe that he's going to use his, his – he's a big welterweight, and he's a strong welterweight. Try to use his size against me. You know, try to hit me up against the fence, maybe try to take me down. But wherever the fight goes, I'll be ready for it. That's interesting because you're obviously known for your, your technicality and kind of your, your poise in the ring. So you're kind of um, almost estimating that he's going to kind of fight up to your standard rather than um, try to do something different. Yeah, man. I mean, I, that's, that's what I'm kind of thinking. I think, you know, he's going to try at first to kind of stand there. Most people – then when they say they're going to try to stand there with me, they normally don't. Even Kevin Holland ended up shooting at our last fight. He said we had kind of that, that gentleman's agreement to keep the fight standing, but he started to shoot in after a while. So I feel like it could go the same way for this fight. Um, you know, he's very exciting. Uh, I'm very exciting fighter to watch, which I think this fight, this fight's going to be fireworks. Last one for you, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, joining us here courtesy of the Aloha Kia Hotline. Since I mentioned earlier, you've been fighting at least once every year since 2010. Um, going through the resume, do you remember the Masquerade Fight Party back in 2011? The Masquerade Fight Party? You beat Patrick oh Mandio uh, by unanimous decision at whatever this thing is called, the Fight Party Masquerade Fight Party in Atlanta, Georgia, the Masquerade Music Park. Oh, my gosh. I think I remember that, man. <laughs> I mean, it happened so long ago. I'm like, I'm like, I'm trying. Yeah, that's I'm 12 years ago. Into my, into my brain. Is that 12 years ago? Yeah. You didn't have to, you didn't have to have a mask or whatever, right? I guess not. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't remember, to be honest with you. Well, I mean, <laughs> that's uh, awesome. it, yeah, I just, I just saw Masquerade that's Fight Party. That's and what I, happens. That's what happens when you when you you know take punches to the face for a living in in your forty now. So you you the the, the memory is not quite there. Well, I guess you know we've had we've had other fighters before when you know when they're first getting out there. You know sometimes they're they're fighting in like a nightclub or or sometimes they're fighting in a uh, you know kind of a, a a much different kind of place. So when I saw Masquerade Fight Party at a Masquerade Music Park, I thought this might have been one of the more weirder ones. Unless you have a more weirder one than that. I, I don't think so. I think that, that gets weird as a gift, my friend. <laughs> that means your career's been on a good path since you uh, since you first turned pro. Uh, looking forward to watching you on pay-per-view on UFC 291 on Saturday. Wonderboy, thank you. Thanks a lot, my friend. You guys have a good one. You too, man. Good luck. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson joined us. All of our guests appear courtesy of the Aloha Kia Hotline. Um, so you brought up the uh, not the BAMF belt which uh, uh, Poirier and, and uh, Gaethje, I, I believe, are going for this weekend. With uh, Jorge Masvidal, who holds the belt, by the way, was right. there. Yep. He was the, the middle guy. Usually Dana White's the middle guy. He was the middle guy. Um, but you mentioned trying to come up with a, an NMF, the nicest, you know. Yep. Um, you know, I, we meant to ask him, and it never came out. There were a few things we meant to ask him, and it didn't happen. Good well, interview, by the way. He, yeah. He's super cool. He is. Um I haven't talked to him in a while, and, and certainly he's he's been great. What would the NMF belt look like? A hug. 
that's it. Just like two guys giving. Well, giving you know, like hug. at the end of the fight when they're like exhausted, but like Max always does it. Mm-hmm. Max always like brings it in. It's like a really heartfelt hug. I feel like the nicest MF belt needs to just be like a couple guys embracing each other. <laughs> I I remember we talked about this earlier. I um I would have just said like one of those cheap generic bowling trophies. Hmm. Like uh you know, it has the that that plaque that they just engraved and it's on wood and you've got maybe like what like 5 inches of really cheap metal. Yeah. And it's like 30 bucks. Here, here's a uh, generic bowling trophy as the NMF of MMA. The, the other thing that could work that isn't super cheesy is like two gloves fist bumping because that's, yeah. in a sense, in every fight is kind of the code of honor of making Touch sure gloves. we're good. That's right. Touching gloves if you want to. If not, go for it. When you put your fist out, he, for those that didn't see because you can't, um, <laughs> he put his fist out, and I thought you were going to come up with the idea of like a, an NMF ring. Oh, okay. Like how you have a championship <laughs> ring or you have a summer league championship ring. NMF brass knuckles. <laughs> Now that's not so nice. Exactly, and like that's what we kind of played with on the 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 interview is we're gonna fight to see who the nicest guy is. <laughs> You're not nice. I'm nice. Here, here's a uh, here's a rear naked choke to prove that I'm nice. How you want these hands? <laughs> nice or nicer? I want them moisturized. Yeah. How'd you like that? Oh, it was nice. <laughs> yeah, they smell like cocoa butter. Um. <laughs> Things you never expected on this show. Also, when we say nice, we, we don't mean well done. Sometimes in the kids these days, Josh, whenever they go, oh, he's nice, they mean he's really good or he's uh, very talented. We mean nice as in very kind. Yeah. Yes. Um, good good people. That's right. Good soul. Good mm-hmm. heart. Huggable. And a killer right hand. There we go. Uh, don't forget about Athletes. It's uh, presented by Central Pacific Bank, Hawaii's best bank. You can find it uh, on our YouTube and at ESPNHonolulu.com. Braden Shager is on that episode. And, no, he, I don't believe he wears a headband. Um, we've seen him now with a headband at practice. The hair has improved, I have to admit. I, I'm, I'm glad that uh, that you are the hair expert here. I am not the hair expert. <laughs> I will never be the hair expert. I'm just saying Shag has improved. But he's the, got the headband. The shake shag. Yep. Okay, let's see if that sticks. Yep. The I don't shag. think it will. The shag or shag. If we, th- if we throw up crazy numbers this year for the run and shoot, it will become a thing. The shag shag. We keep telling him he's got to, like, shave the side and put the islands on the side of his head like Colt Brennan or McDonald. I, I I don't think you want to do that to his hair. Mm. He's already got the headband. I think uh, let's throw some touchdowns first. Yeah, he's eating at Asahi Grill. If you're wondering, to to kind of no, I'm sorry, he's not eating at Asahi Grill. I beg your pardon. That's Kanai Akana. He's eating at Ruby Tuesday. That's where he see this whole shake shag thing is throwing me off. It actually made me think of Shake Shack. Um, to be honest, yep. Uh, shag shag. Ruby the, Tuesday. Eating the shallot bowl at Ruby Tuesday. There you go. Just go to ESPNHonolulu.com. ESPN 8 The Ocho. We'll save this. That's next.
right, coming up at uh, the top of the hour, we'll get back to uh, conference alignment. We had a discussion before the show that I'll just say um, we are very much on opposite sides of the what-if game. What if the University of Hawaii had more wins with a certain quarterback still here? How would that change the game uh, when it comes to potential realignment with Hawaii? We were... Uh, Hunter and I are like Republicans and Democrats hmm. on this topic. Um, Two different sides of the fence. Oh, yeah. Or the aisle. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, that's coming up in a little bit. Uh, guess what's coming back? It's ESPN 8, the Ocho. They're calling it the biggest, boldest edition, August 3rd through the 5th. Yes, it's three days, not one. Because they are doing 20 hours of live content, 52 different sports, 31 new programs. Wow. Uh, Rock, Hills, uh, Rock Hill, South Carolina is going to have some live, 11 different live championships there. They're calling it Ochoville. Didn't know that. And they're wow. going to have like, uh, yeah, 52 different sports and a bunch of new ones. So uh, you can play along with us on our Zephyr Insurance text line at 808-296-1420. I'm going to give you um, some of the new ones. And I'm going to ask you if it is watchable or not watchable. And we'll spread this out. Um, we'll, we'll spread this out throughout the three hours. We'll, we'll let um, Liz play in on this as well if she wants to. So here's the first one. The 2023 Wisconsin Auctioneers Championship. What? The 2023 Wisconsin Auctioneers Championship. Like fast talking? You you up in the front like those guys? You would have lost. Oh, um, of course. So yeah, it's I mean, I guess it's um the best auctioneer. No. You would not watch that. I'm not watching that. Okay. <laughs> you have something against auctioneers? No, just I'm not watching that. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> it's impressive what they can do, but I'm not watching it. So this is this is what it is. It used to be called the State Fair Bid Calling Contest. Uh-huh. Um, contestants were at that time, it started in 1991. They were judged only on their bid calling. Um, then they changed it, uh, which now includes interviews with the finalists. So it's not just about bid calling. Um, but now they uh, they kind of get to know these people. Are the interviews required to be fast talking as well? It, it, it probably is not. Well, I was born in Naperville, Illinois, and then I went down south, and I don't know. You know that would, that, that see that that I would watch if you did an interview and they could only talk in fast talk. <laughs> that's funny. That would that would kind of be fun, actually. Yeah. Um, the. The uh, state champion, his um, <laughs> he enjoys fly fishing and hunting with traditional archery equipment, and he holds auctioneering licenses in three different states. He graduated, get this, he graduated from the Reppert School of Auctioneering in late 2019. There's a school for that. Oh, my goodness. You could make money as an auctioneer. Can't dog it. They went to school for it. No, you can't. All right, so you you say uh, no. No, but the... if the interview 
portion is done in Fast Talk, I will watch that. Well, you know, the only way to find out if the interview is done in Fast Talk, you got to watch it. You got to watch it. Next. That's the hook. And it's on immediately afterward. The Microsoft Excel World Championship. No way. <laughs> Solomon, are you listening? <laughs> Solomon, you have a calling, my friend. Uh, my, that is hilarious. Yeah, it's an Excel eSports tournament, which welcomes any Microsoft Excel user with or without prior experience and a specific skill set. Can try your hand and compete for prize money and global recognition. You have to score points solving MS Excel based game tasks. Oh my gosh. You're given instructions, rules, and questions to answer at an increasing level of difficulty. And the person who shows the greatest Excel mastery level will become the champion of the tournament. How are you how is that built for TV, Josh? Don't know. Do they screen share? And, you know, we, we get to see what they see on their computer, and we see a little mouse going around the screen. Oh, man, he just moved, you know, content from <laughs> cell block 31, 31A to 14F. Man, he's he's gifted. They get over 100 people. And the final oh. round of this thing, at least it was last year, in Vegas, in person. Wow. It's 50 bucks to go and watch this thing in person. They have a prize fund of over $15,000 okay. to just know Microsoft Excel at a pretty high level now, with no experience required. Sounds like my LinkedIn bio. No experience, you know, no experience noted. Uh, how many how many visits are you getting on your LinkedIn bio? Not many. <laughs> I can tell. Yeah. I see exactly why. <laughs> um, I'm looking in the other room. Liz is like, no. Uh, I think we've gotten no from you on both, right? Is that is that so true? So far, yeah. Uh, for the auctioneering, I was going to say I'm more impressed with people who can decipher what they're saying yeah. than those that are actually doing the fast yeah, talk. Yeah. I can never understand what, what they're even saying. Yeah, this is there is a, a, reta a retainer section? Like, I retained all of that information. Right, like, you have to tell, like, relay back what they just said. That's a great like point. It's not just how fast you say it. It has to be understood. Um, that's for ESPN 9. The Nueve. Oh, Nue boy. Yeah. Um, Craig Angela's show is coming to ESPN Honolulu on Tuesday. At Velocity in Honolulu, uh, check it out. It's brought to you by the JN Group and by H Camp, the Hawaii Concussion Awareness Management Program. Sports Center. We'll get to the What If game next. I was going to let this go all the way to the oh, percussion dude. section, but man, that, that's, that's another 20 seconds or so of peaceful. Of all the days, I feel like today's the day. Uh, I, I guess. Just for the intro. For those that don't know, uh, we're throwing an Eagles song in an hour here because uh, Randy Meisner died at the age of 77 today, founding member of the group. So here we go. So just we just had to fill 20 seconds to uh, to to hit the uh, hit the post is what we call it in radio. Call in if you wanted us to cut that early. 
No one will call. I promise. They well, they wouldn't it's have one known. of the best rock songs ever. They, they wouldn't have known. They would have had the uh, the context in front of that. That's true. And your your narrating is right up there with Morgan Freeman, my friend. It was good. That's not going to get you the NMF um, generic bowling trophy. <laughs> it's not working. I'll have to fight you for that. By the way, shout out to Kevin Winter on Sports Center. Mm. We got a Twister reference. To get us to a rain delay. Now, uh, context, never seen Twister. Hmm. Um, but he gave us he gave us the line from Helen Hunt's character, Joe, when, uh, and, and IMDB, I have the quote in front of me. Cal flies by in the storm while in Bill's truck. Cal. Yep. Cal flies by in the storm. Another cow. Yep. Then Bill says... Actually, I think that was the same one. <laughs> Without context, you guys still laughed yep. on what was really a terrible reading of actual an actual line from Twister. Well, I'm remembering that scene from the movie, and it's it's funny. Is in it a, really in a a very well placed comedic relief moment in an otherwise very intense part of the movie? You know, if if we really had a down show today, uh. We could we could do uh, readings from Twister <laughs> and spend an entire segment on that, but you know today's not a down show day. Um, t- today there's a bunch of different things, but I needed to give Kevin Winter his due because um, you know Kevin takes us on a lot of rides sometimes, and that was one of them that I didn't know we were going to, but uh, but Kevin delivered. It is off the bench uh, here on ESPN Honolulu. Coming up, we're going to play the What If game on uh, What If Hawaii won more. <laughs> How would that have played into all of the discussions that we have been having here uh, in the last week plus about, uh, uh, you know, uh, about where uh, conference realignment's been sitting? But the Pac-12 has come out with a statement. Um, not that anybody really wants to hear from that floundering conference, but they have. Um, losing Colorado, which they have acknowledged here. And um, now having to try to move forward, the conference in a statement saying, and I'm just going to read in part because no one cares about most of it, but in part it says, we remain committed to our shared values and to continuing to invest in our student-athletes. Today's decision by the University of Colorado has done nothing to disrupt that commitment. Here's the kicker that will tell you how stubborn the conference is. We are focused on concluding our media rights deal and securing our continued success and growth. Immediately following the conclusion of our media rights deal, we will embrace expansion opportunities and bring new fans, markets, excitement, and value to the Pac-12, close quote. Let me translate that, and maybe there are two ways we can translate it. When they say, we are focused on concluding our media rights deal and securing our continued success and growth, you could read that as either A, George, hurry the bleep up. You know, we, yeah. we, 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 need, we needed to get it done. Cow! Needed to get the twister line in. Nice. Um, you know, we better get this done because we can't secure our future if we don't have a TV deal. So what are we doing? Um, we need to secure that. Or B, which is also very possible, B, um, we actually think we can survive this, 
and we think when we sign this television deal that we will be able to embrace expansion opportunities. Oh, well, let me let me backtrack. We will have expansion opportunities, and then we will embrace them, and then we will survive as a pack eh, something. But um, you, so you could read that a bunch of different ways. It, it's just amazing to me that the Pac-12 is still um, dying on the hill of following the conclusion of our media rights deal. Yeah. Which at this point, the conclusion of the media rights deal is probably going to happen next year. This should have been done a long time ago. And once USC and UCLA left, it hurt them. They have not recovered from USC and UCLA announcing their decision to leave for the Big Ten in 2024. No. If, if they were there, it'd be easy. And let's let's look at the comparison, okay? Big 12 was in a very similar situation. Their two aces left their conference, Oklahoma and Texas. Right. And what what did they do in response? They didn't keel over and die. They got after it. They said, we're going to restructure the way that our conference competes. We're looking not just at football, but we're looking at basketball. Um, the Pac-12, I hate to break it to you, has just kind of put their feet up. And I don't want to say keel over and die, but they're headed down that avenue right now. They're close. They are. Uh, Pac-12 is three members away from going into hospice care. For real. And that's sad. Um, you know, the Conference of Champions has been well represented. I think of uh, I think of Bill Walton, uh, one of the the craziest people on this earth, but one of the most likable crazy people on this earth. Um, I think of some of the facilities. The Pac-12's caught the Rose Bowl. The Pac-12 has got the Coliseum. The Pac-12 has um, you know some of the some Nike. of the nicest West Coast. Yep. Oregon, Autzen Stadium. Um, that gym is uh, is a nice gym. I've been to Gill Coliseum where Oregon State plays. Um, you know, oldie but goodie. Um, there are some some uh, research stadium. I walked by that where where Oregon State plays football. There are there are some quality venues that the Pac-12 is very close to throwing away, and it's sad. You know what else goes with it? Tradition. The Rose Bowl game, mm. Pac-12 versus Big Ten, Yep. goodbye. Um, By the way, best bowl game there is. Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all. That's right. Not, not because of the matchups, but just for the venue. Yeah. I still wholeheartedly believe they should shift the Rose Bowl to one of the CFP games. Well, it's a... Uh... It's a semi every three years. It should be every year. Yeah. I mean, in a, in a perfect world, I think the expansion will make that happen. Yeah. Um, but I think you still want to give kind of equal opportunity to the other six that are that are rotated in. And just because the other ones are hardly ever played outdoors. Yeah. And it just feels like, okay, they're going from one dome to the next. There's no real feeling of difference mm-hmm. between them. That, that one... It, you're almost guaranteed great weather other than the Hawaii Bowl. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, I know we're kind of getting off topic there, but I've no, always, we got time. I've always, <laughs> I've always felt that that deserved more appreciation every year. Yeah. I think the other thing is they want, 
you know, they want those super huge NFL venues for the championship game. So yep. I, I get that. But, you know, tradition is rich in college football. That's one of the few things the Pac-12 has. They don't have a lot else, but they have that. And it's one of the best things. Um you know, I, 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 I still wish I could have gone to the Rose Bowl game. I did the parade in Pasadena. What year was that? It was, uh, let's see, a grad 05. This was after my freshman year, so it would have been 02. I'm going to look up the— Right before the 2002 Rose Bowl game. 2002 So, so 2001 Bowl. Uh, we were there in 2001, got to 2002. The parade was that morning. Um, we did the the, the, the the band competition at Pasadena City College. Uh, I think that was my first in-and-out experience. Mm, that um, was uh, Nebraska-Miami. That was the natty. Well, that was – yeah, oh, that's right. That, that was, was the natty that, was before, that year. That was before the BCS. Exactly. Yeah. I remember that game. And uh, – what was his name? The the running back. Shoot, I'm blanking on it right now. But uh, that was Ken Dorsey, the Miami Hurricanes. Uh-huh. And they beat Nebraska handedly, beat him 37-14. Willis McGahee. Oh, that's right. Willis McGahee was the running back for that Miami team. That Miami team was awesome. Pretty sure Ed Reed was on that defense. I think you're right. Um, Whatever happened to Miami? They've not oh, been the same. But, man... Could have gone to that game, Josh. Yeah, oh. um, I, I, I just needed to, you know, find someone to let me go. That's true. You were uh, a kid. We'll, I was. We'll, we'll give you the ben- I, I was, benefit of the doubt oh, there. What was I? I was fourteen. Mm. Yeah. Um, best thing so far I've seen on the internet since the Pac-12 released that statement. It's from former Hawaii head coach Nick Rolovich, who said, and I quote, "Should have just let me go to media day." Close <laughs> quote. <laughs> Rolo's funny, man. Say what you will. I've always appreciated his humor. I think we need to give a little context to that. You may recall during the uh, 2020 season, COVID-19, he was adamant about not getting the vaccine. And so um, he was not allowed to go to Pac-12 Media Day. He had to uh, face the media via conference call. And uh, he was subsequently let go that year because he did not follow uh, Washington State's um, you know, and I'm saying not Washington State the school, but Washington State the state. Um, you know their vaccine mandate, and uh, he was uh, yeah he was he was subsequently let go. Uh, I don't know about him going to media day making any difference, but uh, it's it's a funny one liner coming from uh, coming from Rolo on a day where the Pac-12 is in serious serious trouble. Um, but coming up, what if Hawaii? Well had most of their you know, best players not leave. What if Rolo never left Hawaii? That's a perfect segue. That's coming up after Sports Center. It is off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. This song from the Time Machine is only fitting for the Time Machine that Hunter Hughes is going to take us through. It is off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu. We've been spending so much time uh, on uh, conference alignment that I know you had a conversation with someone today, and you came up with a real interesting one here on a what-if 
with the University of Hawaii. So, uh, yep. so walk us through this one. Before we get into this, we have to first say I'm so pleased with who we have as our head coach right now. Yeah. Okay? yeah. I'm so pleased with what Timmy and the staff and really the majority of the football program is doing currently where we're at. Um, the feeling at camp yesterday was fantastic. Yeah. Um, the vibe around the team is great. Um, with that being said, I wanted to make sure we got that out of the way gotcha. before jumping into um, the what if time machine. Thank right you for now. the disclaimer. That's right. Um, I ran into a former teammate earlier today, and we were just talking about the team that we had back in 2019. And we were talking, had Coach Rolo stayed, okay, had Matlin found a way to pay him what he was worth at the time. And again, do me the favor, everyone who's listening, this is before the whole COVID stuff, okay? Of course. This is 2019. This is before all of that controversy, all that craziness. And let me remind you, Rolo turned our program around. There were rumors of football being canceled whenever Chow was here. I want that also firmly on the record. Gotcha. Rolo flipped it around, and we won our first bowl game in over a decade under him. Want that very, very clear. Okay. That is uh, That will not be stricken from the record. Thank you. If he would have stayed, Shevin would have stayed. Okay. McDonald would have gone off and gotten a shot at the NFL, which he ended up doing with the Tennessee Titans. He would not have left and would have now been in his fourth starting season under the run and shoot. Okay. If you look at all of the former big-time quarterbacks that come through UH in the run and shoot, playing in that system for that long, they put up massive numbers, massive numbers whenever they had been in it for that long, the longevity, the chemistry created with the receiver core. He would have still been there. Um other guys would have um, stayed. I, I, I firmly believe Nick Mardner would not have transferred over to Cincinnati. He would have stayed. Um, huh, we talked about the Pac-12. Darius Muasal, first team Pac-12 for UCLA this season. He would have probably still been here. Um, Lo'alu, who's at Oklahoma. Oh, Jonah Lo'alu, yeah. Yes. He would have still been on our D-line, Okay. Not to mention, if you're putting up a couple of seasons of winning records, who else could have um, come to the islands, also stayed some of our big-time recruits that have left? Um, again, we're deep in hypothetical yes, world we right are. here. Um, however, with all of this happening and all of the craziness that's happening in the Pac-12, you put a couple of winning seasons together, and I'm telling you, Josh, Pac-12 would have been knocking on our door. You mean like... Um Asking us to come. I, I I have one. That's my point. I have one easy comeback to that. Okay. Boise State, the class of the conference, has won four of the last five conference championships. And this is after they had the invite to the Big East in which they were going, and then the Big East fell apart, and they had to crawl back. They've won four of the last five conference championships. They're still here, and they may still be in the conference, the Mountain West Conference, I think for many years to come because I don't see anywhere where they would be going. Um, You'd have to convince me that not only Hawaii would beat Boise State, 
most of those four out of five years yeah. because Boise's still here. But you'd also have to convince me that Hawaii would be, if, that, if, if that's not enough, Hawaii would have to be a top 20 program from 2000, let's just say 2018, let's go back to 2017 and on. Yeah. Well, 17, we did not have a so, good team. Okay. So it, it wasn't until 18 we started to find our stride, and then 19, we were great. And then 19, you lost to Boise State in the conference That's championship right. game. So you'd have to convince me that 2018 to now, Hawaii would be a top 20 team consistently in order for me to believe that the Pac 12 would come calling to a team that hasn't had, um, hasn't had any success in the Mountain West um, up until that one conference championship appearance in 19. I mean, it's it's basically the equivalent of saying Jordan would beat LeBron in a game of one-on-one in both of their primes. So, like, we're never going to see it. Yeah. It's, it's more just one versus the other. Um, however, you, you mentioned four out of the last five. That's with our Hawaii team falling apart. Yeah. And I think the other part is, is the one you mentioned at the very beginning, Rolo leaving. That's right. If, Which, I mean, at some point... I think that was inevitable. If we're not willing to pay him. That's going to be the bigger thing outside of that realignment part of the conversation. I don't think Hawaii will ever, will, will, I don't want to say ever. That's a bummer if what you're about to say is true. I don't think Hawaii will ever pay a head coach a million dollars a year ever again. If that is the case, then we are headed for mediocrity. You're telling okay, let's fast forward. Okay. okay. Thirty seconds. If we fast forward and we are competing for Mountain West championships consistently and we can't find it to pay Timmy what he's worth, that is not okay. I think they'd probably end up doing it in bonuses. Find it however you have to get it done. They're worth it. Put a pin on that. We'll continue that next hour. Uh Craig Angela's show. Good segue. There we go. Uh, Tuesday, August 1st, uh, hosted by Kanoa You can hear it right here on ESPN Honolulu, live from Velocity in Honolulu. It is brought to you by the JN Group and uh, by HCAMP, the Hawaii Concussion Awareness Management Program. Traffic here and on the other side of this break, Trent Rush from KLAA uh, on the uh, Unicorn. It's off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. Be on my way, There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry no more. Off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu, Hunter Hughes, Josh Pacheco, all of our guests. They show up here on the Aloha Kia hotline. Visit alohakia.com at alohakia. You know a guy. Trent Rush from uh, KLAA, part of the um, Los Angeles Angels broadcast crew. He joins us now. Um, I, I know, Trent, that usually it's our job to lead into uh, our first question with a lot of superlatives and hyperbole and, and all these you know, really fancy words about something that, uh, that happens. But I can't say that I know what to use uh, after what Shohei Otani did. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't do this often, Trent, but um, help. Uh, help <laughs> help make this make sense. Stunning, incredible, once in a lifetime. Where do you want to begin? I mean, what we're seeing 
with Shohei Otani right now is just a truly phenomenal talent. We're talking about maybe the greatest player of all time, having maybe one of the greatest seasons of all time. And the only seasons that you could argue have been better than what Otani has been doing so far this year or just what Otani did last year or the year before that. This guy just keeps getting better and better and better every time he's out there. And the fact that today, I mean, it was a free and easy one hitter that he threw in game one. The one hit he gave up, a fifth inning single came on an 0 2 pitch, which was just a mistake, left a little bit up in the zone. Outside of that, he was spectacular on the mound, came back out, and there was even a little conversation. I was a little surprised maybe Otani hit it all in that second game. Well, sure enough, he comes out there and hits not one, but two home runs, put the Angels on his back, pretty much said after the game, hey, my focus is to carry this Angels team to the postseason. And sure enough, that's what it looked like he was doing today. It was it was a once in a lifetime kind of feat that Shohei Otani accomplished today, and you could argue it's the second time in a month he's had a game like this. I mean, we might as well just lock up the MVP award for him. I mean, granted, today was a doubleheader, so you, you know a, a two way player has that rare opportunity to do a lot of two way things um, in a doubleheader. But I mean, I think you can just stamp it. It's it's July twenty seventh unless he gets injured tomorrow, which I know is not necessarily funny because he did have cramps today. But if he, if he got injured tomorrow and missed the rest of the season, I'd still vote him my MVP. I agree with that. 100%. Uh, that yeah, I don't think that you can go away from that at all. I mean, he's already surpassed this year what he did offensively a season ago. And even though the pitching maybe hasn't quite been in the same level, he had a rough July before this. But I think there is something to the Angels essentially making the decision – last night that Otani was not going to be traded. I think in some respects that settles Otani a little bit. And I I think that he was able to pitch with that confidence and without having to worry about what the next week was going to be like, he got to focus on baseball and baseball only. And when Otani gets that opportunity, he is about as dangerous of an opponent as one could possibly face. He was every bit of that today. Trent Rush joining us from uh, KLAA. He's with us courtesy of the Aloha Kia Hotline here on ESPN Honolulu. Trent, I hate to be the downer uh, in such a <laughs> great you know, situation but that here we he have comes. with uh, Shohei Otani. Is it appropriate to almost be nervous watching Shohei and wondering just how long this ride is going to last because he he's doing things that we've never seen before. Is it appropriate to ask those sort of questions? Because in some ways we ride this as long as that arm can hang on and throw 99 mile an hour heaters up there and turn around and hit home runs. I mean, is it appropriate to do that or do we just stay in dreamland as long as possible? No, totally appropriate and totally fair, especially when you consider that while the rest of the baseball world started ramping up in March, Shohei was ramping up in January because he wanted to be in midseason form for the World Baseball Classic. Mm. So I think what you bring up is absolutely fair. The one thing about Otani is that it seems like any time somebody doubts him, he seems to erase that doubt almost instantly. And there have been many times I, I was shocked when he started hitting the days after he was pitching, and that didn't seem to be a problem. And then he started hitting on the days that he was pitching, and then they were going to give him the extra day, but now he doesn't need the extra day. So, you know, for Shohei, he knows his body. He knows what he can handle. And if he needs a rest, if he needs a day, I think he has no problem telling the Angels, hey, I need a day here. The thing about Shohei is he just hasn't needed any of that. So the guy takes – an unbelievable job where he does an unbelievable job taking care of his body. 
He sleeps a ton. He has his workout regiment, but while everybody else, you know, a lot of players and who could fault him, just in life, they have lives beyond baseball, whether that's having a family, whether that's liking to go out, hanging with friends. Shohei goes to the ballpark, gets his work done, goes home, sleeps, and the only thing that I think Shohei does beyond that is every once in a while he'll go play video games with his buddy David Fletcher. I think that's that's about the extent of it for Shohei. I mean, he is totally committed to baseball. That That's just how he's wired. Yeah. Hey, Toyotas run forever. And they build them different in in Japan, man. So you, you you're hitting on something good, I think. Yeah, I mean the, the guy. I mean, who knows, right? We were all wondering, and and that's going to be the question come November: is how okay, how many more years of this can Shohei possibly be able to to give? And I, you know, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if it's two or three or five. I know it's probably not ten. Um, and he was going to want a ten year contract, but. I mean, it, it, it almost doesn't matter at this point. And, and the one thing for the Angels is, look, he's under contract for 2023, and there is no guarantee beyond that. But they are all in on this season, all on maybe the Rams in 2021, where it's we're putting all the focus on this year. We're going all in on this year. We'll figure out tomorrow, tomorrow. This is what we got to get done today. KLA's Trent Rush joining us here on Off the Bench. Um, you know, Shohei's going to be asked about his future a lot uh, here over the next couple of months, but there's something he said today that um, you know I was kind of struck by because he did mention the last couple of years and he mentioned, you know, I'm going to paraphrase that the team has had to be sellers and he has, he'd mentioned the front office that, you know, did what it had to do. Didn't sound like he was saying it in a way that was, was frustrated at all. And then came back with mentioning how, you know, he, he feels like the team is um, doing what it needs to do to put them in a position to get to the playoffs. The trade yesterday for uh, Lucas Giolito and a, and a reliever uh, being part of that. It, it's interesting because we don't get to hear a lot from him often, but to reference being sellers and understanding that, you know, that role while at the same time seeing the possibilities of what's in front of them now. Shohei is very high IQ, very high. And when you talk about a player that understands the dynamic of the baseball landscape, I don't know that there's a player that understands it as well as Shohei does. And, and you're exactly right when you talk about you know his wherewithal to understand the team's position. Shohei takes all that stuff into account. He is very aware of the Angels' place. He's very aware that the Angels came into today with a 15% chance to make the postseason but I think that he would appreciate the vote of confidence from the organization, not just in him, but in also his teammates. And to go out and make an acquisition, to go bring on arguably the best starting pitcher that's going to be made available to trade deadline and Lucas Giolito. So that's a significant pickup for this Angels rotation that needs it. The Angels pitching staff was ninth in MLB last year. It's 20th this year. They can hit the ball. They're scoring runs in the sixth best clip in MLB. The pitching has been the issue. So to go bring on, you know, bullpen depth, yes, but really you're bringing on, you know, a front end starter. If you were to talk about the Angels being in a playoff series, you know, you're talking about Lucas Giolito being one of the starters in that playoff series. Yeah, you bring up the the playoffs. It's certainly a different landscape when you look at the American League with Baltimore and Tampa kind of atop the AL East and what could be 
you know, an opponent in a wild card situation. Um, do you put any stock in this kind of being a perfect storm for the Angels if they are able to get a wild card spot? Well, they're getting everything starting to click now. And, you know, the, the way the Angels are playing, you almost wish there were two weeks left in the season rather than two months because they mm. play Toronto for three coming up. And you also talk about the Angels having so many players that are on the verge of being healthy and back in the lineup. I, mean, I think you're talking about Mike Trout is probably maybe two, three weeks away. Um, you're talking about Brandon Drury, who's maybe a, a week away, maybe less. Zach, uh, they got Zach Neto back today. Logan O'Hoppy their star young catcher. They're hoping to have him back by the end of the month. So all these pretty significant injuries the Angels have dealt with, these guys are getting healthier and coming back. Here's the deal, guys. The Angels' next 25 games are all against teams over 500. This is a gauntlet. And in many respects, I think for the Angels, they see it as the playoffs essentially starting tomorrow in Toronto, and they're fortunate to have Lucas Giolito as that game one starter if you approach it that way. Toronto's got a three-game lead on the Halos. The Halos have three games at the Blue Jays. It's going to be a fascinating weekend. If they had to make one more move, which I, I do believe they, they need to to kind of keep this confidence up, uh, what do they need to address? Well, I think they, there, there's two areas probably. I think that you could add another starting pitcher. And Tyler Anderson has not been the guy that they were hoping he was going to be this year. I think the same really can even be said about Patrick Sandoval. Griffin Canning has kind of emerged. He might be that third guy. Reed Detmers are waiting for him to maybe take that step. So, yeah, if they could go get another starting pitcher, I, I would think that that's unlikely. But if they could do that, that would be a step in the right direction. Maybe more attainable would be first base. And that's been a bit of a black hole for the Angels this year. In fact, they came into the season hoping that Jared Walsh, a 2021 All-Star, was going to be that guy. He has dealt with uh, neurological issues. He's coming off of thoracic outlet syndrome. And today, the Angels designated him for assignment. So first base has been a void all season. That said, they brought on Mike Moustakis, who's helped you know, take care of some of the business with Anthony Rendon back uh, out again at third base. So Moustak has been really good. They called up this young player, Trey Cabbage, minor league guy that's, that's filled that spot, you know, decently in the time he's been up. But if you could go get a much more solid, proven veteran first baseman, I feel like the Angels could be in a lot better shape. Yeah, Moose and Cabbage, um, you know, should be, uh, should yeah. be important here uh, down the stretch. Uh, Trent, Good to talk to you. Uh, look forward to seeing you when you head down here with uh, with UC Irvine next year, all right? Yeah, sounds good. I think that game, uh, January 11th. I already got it circling on the calendar. I, I might I might even have to make a visit to the radio station. I want to go and hang with you guys in person. But thank you for having me. Come Goodbye. on up. Yeah, why not? Trent, good to talk to you. Thank you. <laughs> We'll see you guys. That's uh, Trent Rush from uh, KLA. I, I reference uh, Irvine because he's the uh, play-by-play guy for UC Irvine basketball um, for uh, for them. He joins us, as all of our guests do, courtesy of the Aloha Kia hotline. Visit alohakia.com. At Aloha Kia, you know a guy. M. Dyer Global scoreboard time. It's brought to you by M. Dyer Global, moving Hawaii into the future. Uh, Women's U.S. Open champ, Allison Corpuz. Okay. In the first round of uh, the LPGA's fifth major, which is the uh, Monday Evian, Cha- uh, Evian Championship, Corpus at even par 71 today. The cut line is at one over the leader, Paul Aretto from South Africa, shot a seven under 64 in round one. So she's seven strokes back, uh, three rounds to play. 
they'll be on the Golf Channel coming up tomorrow for round number two. Uh, Major League Baseball, uh, yeah, a lot of the Angels winning their doubleheader today, 6 nothing over Detroit, and then 11-4 in game number two. Cubs over St. Louis, 10-3. There was some, some, uh, some ugliness that went on in the first inning. Uh, you know, their pitcher and uh, Miles Michaelis and uh, their manager uh, all got tossed for uh, intentionally throwing at a Cubs player. Yeah. Uh, Nationals-Mets tied at one. That's in a rain delay. Top nine, Cleveland leading the Chicago White Sox 6-3. to three. Coming up, uh, we'll get back to ESPN 8, the Ocho. So far, it sounds like we're an offer for uh, things debuting on the, uh, on the mothership. Not the mothership, the mothership. Nice. Uh, watchable or unwatchable? We continue our Ocho series after a look at traffic. It's off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. Got a bunch of texts on uh, Hunter Hughes's hypothesis Ooh. on uh, whether the University of Hawaii would be a uh, team that would be considered for any kind of expansion had the stars aligned, Nick Rolovich not left, four years of Chevin Cordero and other guys who didn't leave. Um, the hypothesis uh, got a lot of texts uh, via our Zephyr Insurance text line, and uh, we'll get into that coming up in a little bit. Uh, we go back to our series ESPN The Ocho. That's ESPN 8 The Ocho. Watchable or unwatchable? So far, and I, I purposely... Um, started in a very difficult uh, first two. So far, um, our first two unwatchable, they were the 2023 Wisconsin Auctioneers Championship. Um, Hunter clearly does not like fast talkers. <laughs> and the Microsoft Excel World Championship. Uh, clearly, Hunter, you do not have a computer in front of you at the moment, so I you don't. clearly are not a fan of Microsoft Office products. Mm. You're you're a you're a Google Docs guy, aren't you? <laughs> um, when they have a Google Docs World Championship, I'll let you know. Yeah, let's let's do a couple since we're in uh, in in segment two of this, and I think I might find one for you. First, the One Wheel World Championship. Okay, have you seen people? Yes. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. You and know I've what these one wheel are. And I've ridden them. Oh, you have? Uh-huh. Okay. Yep. Have you been able to keep your balance on those? Mm-hmm. Okay. You can get cooking on those. For those that don't know, explain what the one wheel is. Um, it's almost, uh, it almost looks like one of those balance boards, mm-hmm. but in the middle, instead of a, a foam roller... You have a wheel, a wheel that literally is half above and half below this balance board, and all kinds of computer programming is built into foot gestures and weight distribution. Um, some are even controlled on your wrist by a controller, mm-hmm. but these things go fast. They like, do. You can get up to like 30 miles an hour on these things. I um, I don't know if I should be shouting about Harrison Kuroda, uh, who occasionally works with me on University of Hawaii broadcasts mm. uh, for baseball and uh, does some uh, pre and post work with Spectrum Sports. When he parks at UH, we, we're not lucky enough to get um, – you know, parking right next to the ROTC building. We have to park in the structure. Okay. So it's like 300 yards away then. Yeah. Yeah. So he has one of those one, uh, one wheels 
He takes it with him from his car from, or from his car or truck or whatever it is in the structure, rides his one wheel to Les Murakami Stadium, and then carries it with him to the booth. Now, I will say they're heavy. Mm-hmm. They're like sometimes north of 20 pounds. I bet. So good for him. So one world world championship. Is there like jumps and stuff? Um, they have a competition. This is the 2022 version. Um, a border cross style competition down steep technical trails and over demanding natural and man-made features that include an epic truck jump. Whoa. Now, for those listening, one wheels usually don't have um, locks for your feet. Mm. So it's almost like riding an electric single wheel skateboard. Okay. Yeah. So that's the, the jump part is interesting to me. I'd watch that. Okay. We found one. All right. And if you're going downhill, like you're going to be cooking and it's dangerous. I didn't know you rode one of those before. Yeah. Not, not well, but I rode it. <laughs> All right, here is the next one. I, I'm i banking on you saying yes to this one. Uh, this is the 2023 Foot Golf World Cup. Yes. I knew you would. Yep. Foot, foot Golf is awesome. My, my buddy Steve, uh, who lives out in Maryland, is nationally ranked. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. wait. Yeah. Hold, hold up. We have nationally ranked foot golfers. Yes. Yes. It's a thing. Okay. Yep. Maybe we'll have him on the show sometime. Uh, yeah, let's let's remind me of that. Especially when, when uh, he's on the Ocho. When yeah, it's on. Uh, what day is this? August fourth at five p.m. Hawaii time. Yeah. Uh, foot twenty twenty three foot golf is going to be in Orlando. Nice. I don't know if it's live or not. Don't care if it's the live cool thing or not. about foot golf is they actually use real golf courses, mm-hmm. and then we'll cut the hole, which is. It's huge. The it's huge. huge. It's almost like twice the size of a basketball hoop. Yeah. But cut into a, a actual green. Right. And it breaks. They got to hit out of bunkers. And and when we say hit, you got to kick it out right. of the, out of a bunker. It's 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 cool. Okay, so we're we're two for two here. Uh-huh. Um, let's let's uh, let's give you one more. The world. By the way, okay. If you say no to this. Um, I will question your ability for compassion and, and, and humanity. Oh, boy. The World Dog Surfing Championship Best Waves. No chance. I now question your ability yeah. to, to love humanity. How can you not watch dogs surfing? What's wrong with you? Because the dogs didn't paddle the board into the wave. The dogs also have to survive. Yeah. On the board. Have you watched dog surfing, Josh? All of them have a life jacket on. They're going to be fine. Yeah. But still, it's dogs. Yeah. They're dogs. I know. It doesn't melt your heart. No. It doesn't say, oh, I'll watch that. No, it's like, why? Here, here we go. Perfect question. Would you ever let your dog on a surfboard? Um... No, because I'm protective. That's what I mean. So, but would I watch another dog if 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 you know an owner lets him in? But also, I'm not a water guy, so I'm a little bit different. If I were a water person, I'd probably feel differently. Yeah, I'm not gonna watch a dog struggle to stay balanced on a longboard. I'm good. <sighs> Sports Center's coming up. So is traffic. Uh, we'll get back to uh, 
hypothetical feelings on football. It's off the bench on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM at 1420 AM. No, we didn't become an oldie station overnight. <laughs> uh, but you know what? When uh, someone passes away, Randy Meisner, founding member of the Eagles, passing away at 77 today, you know, we, we recognize we recognize greatness. And so uh, we've done an Eagles song every hour. Hotel California was last hour because you, you, you can't do uh, you can't do the Eagles and not throw in Hotel California, right? Mm. Uh, what did what did what did we run in the three o'clock hour? I can't remember what it was in the three o'clock hour. Uh, I've, I've it's been just so so much processing. Liz will find it for me. What was which one we ran in the three o'clock hour? Um, there's so many hits. I mean, Desperado. You could have thrown mm. in. Um, man, yeah, there, there's, uh, there's a lot to choose from. It is off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu, Hunter Hughes, Josh Pacheco, all of our guests when they appear, they do so courtesy of the Aloha Kia hotline. There is a lot of, um, there is a lot of hypotheses that we have been throwing around here. A lot of, uh, you know, a lot of stuff like that. And I'll get to the one that you brought up in, uh, in, in a little bit, but I want to throw one. Oh, one of these nights. Thank you, Liz. Um, one of these nights is what we use in the 3 o'clock hour. All right. Mm. I think this texter from the 208 just wants to get us mad. Oh, boy. You, you, you ready for this, uh, you know, hypothetical? Texter from the 208 via the uh, Zephyr Insurance text line. What if the Bears or Green Bay got the number one pick next year? What would they do? The Bears or Green Bay? Yes. Well, because both can't have it at the same time. Okay. I didn't know if you said the Bears of Green Bay. No, or. Yeah, okay. Unless, you Big know. Big difference we, there. Unless, you know, because we owned the Bears in the past. Uh. <laughs> okay. So what would what would happen if either of them got the number one pick? Yes. I guess. I think you're missing what this what this guy's trying to do. I know he's trying to pit us against each other, right? No, I think he's just trying to make both of us mad. Okay. Not at, not at each other, but I think just in general. Yeah. Which if we got the number 1 pick, that means that we had a horrible season yeah. this year. Yeah. Which I hate to break it to you, the Packers are more inclined to do, to do that than the Bears. Ah. Uh, I don't it, it's it, I I'm not expecting a 10-win season. Yeah. But I'm not expecting something horrible either. And you did hear by the way, uh, Aaron Rodgers did call on Jordan Love and uh, encouraged him. Now, now, it wasn't Jordan Love calling Aaron Rodgers. It was Aaron Rodgers calling Jordan Love. So I want to make sure that uh, uh, people see that there's some, some some goodwill there. Do we know if Aaron Rodgers was sober when he did that? I would. We can't count on anything that Aaron Rodgers does from henceforth him doing it sober. If I had to take a guess, I'd say yes. I'm going to say no. Okay. Yeah. Um, but what would happen if either of these teams had the number one pick? Um, it won't. So stop dreaming. Stop, just just stop dreaming. You know, you know who this person is? It's probably a fan of the Houston Texans mm. that wants it to be anybody but his team. It's not going to be mine. It's not going to be yours. It's not going to be the Bears. It'll probably be yours. So um, don't don't deflect from how terrible your team is. Dang, that's all. 
Josh is out here handing out L's on a Thursday. Hey, um, I've you know when 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 my team gets W's, we yeah. just store them away in the back. So uh, when when we can, we just take those W's, turn them into L's, and toss them around like candy. Speaking of your team, were they riding their patented bicycles over to Lambeau for training camp? I did not see. I didn't either. Um, yeah, I wasn't really paying attention. Been been caught up in uh, realignment mode today. Yeah, so it's true. Didn't really catch much of that. Um, the other hypotheses that was uh, thrown around here today was your belief based on um, you know several different factors that if Nick Rolovich didn't leave for Washington State, if Shevin Cordero was a starting quarterback for four years, if guys like Nick Mardner and Darius Muasau and um, you know Jonah Laulu and others don't leave, Hawaii's run and shoot under Rolo continues, that you believe the Pac-12 would be knocking on Hawaii's door yep. if Hawaii was successful. Uh, a couple of texts here. Um, this is from the 233, and there's a couple. I'm going to kind of sequence these here. Okay. I don't think the player exodus not happening would have helped Hawaii's conference realignment case, this texter says. The reasons are against UH are beyond what's happening on the field. The what if Rolo didn't leave is interesting to ponder. Of course, that's only interesting if COVID never happened. That's right. Although he left before the COVID thing, so it's not COVID. Um, UH had momentum after 2019 and could have made it a consistent yearly success of challenging for the conference title. Completely agree. I mean... We were were soaring at that point. But I think this is where you kind of get to the point of where, where does Hawaii land in the... What are we? You know, in some schools, you can soar and you can keep soaring at the same school. They can pay you a ton of money. You're at the top of the ladder. You're not in the middle. You're not in the bottom. That's why guys like Nick Saban don't have to leave. I mean, the only the only place for Nick Saban would, to go was to jump to another ladder, being the NFL. And when then when that ladder wasn't necessarily so great, he jumped back to the ladder that he was, you know, really good at and just only climbed back up to the top of that ladder being in college. Sure, but we're, we're getting back to the main point of why Rolo left. It's because we can't pay him. Well, it's not just I, – I don't think it's just pay. I don't, I don't think that's the only reason. I think pay may be part of it, but would you rather coach in a power conference where, I mean, you could get paid more, yes – but you're visible. You're on national TV yeah. seemingly every week. I don't know. I, I He loved Hawaii, man. Yeah. Loved it. And But June Jones loved Hawaii and then ended up going to SMU. I'm just saying, he Rolo was, was going to be our next June Jones if we found a way to pay him. I really feel that way. He was going to be our, our coach of the future. He could have found a way to to keep a lot of our a lot of the success that we're seeing right now with um, uh, local recruiting with this coaching staff in there. Rolo and, and that staff was doing the exact same thing. Um, I really do feel that if we found a way to keep him, if we threw him chow money, may, maybe not for the long haul, but another you know three four year contract or something like that. I I think that would have made a difference, Josh. But you know what would have happened. If they continue to be successful, someone would throw two mil. Yeah, I mean, cross that bridge when we come. But if you know, if we're winning 
Mountain West Championships at that point. That that that's why I'm throwing this out there. Uh huh. Because four years from 2019 would bring us right till now. Yeah. Which is the, the kind of the point I'm making is if we had four solid years and we're tossing around some conference championships, maybe the Pac-12 is knocking on our door. I still think you got a problem with geography. Yeah, but they are in a desperate situation right now. And I will say, well, right now, yeah. Um, but I will say, you know, I often say that um, um, facilities don't matter because Hawaii had Aloha Stadium for how many years and didn't get an invite to go anywhere, which tells you facilities don't matter. Yeah. But uh, unless they are not up to par, and I'd be willing to believe that the Pac-12 would not accept a 15,000-seat stadium. Mm. The Mountain West can deal with it. Um, you know, The Mountain West sees its value in Hawaii. Um, you know, you're getting to 2020 with no Aloha Stadium. Pac-12 does not want its brand, I believe, to be associated with a stadium of 15,000, or at that point, nine. At that point, what brand do you have now? Um, Their brand has diminished. It's diminished, but it's still um, it's it's still a brand that has big stadiums, and it still has bigger names. I, I get that. Uh, a couple more, and you can uh, call into us at 808-296-1420. Uh, you can text into us at our Zephyr Insurance text, text line at 808-296-1420. Texter from the 286 simply says, no way Hawaii ever enters the Pac-12. I, uh, I'm, I'm kind of there. Uh, texter from the two, no, I'm not kind of there. I am there. Yeah. Uh, texter from the 258, we can never go to a bigger conference without better facilities. But uh, that, again, goes to my point. Facilities are not the reason... Hawaii is not getting an invite to the Pac-12 because, I mean, unless your facilities are bad, it's not facilities. Again, you had a 50,000-seat stadium in which the Pro Bowl was playing in every year. That didn't entice anybody. Um, You're not going to get people knocking on your door when you have 9,000 in a stadium or 15,000 in a stadium, not from a power conference, but you weren't getting people knocking on your door when you were getting 25,000 in a 50,000-seat stadium. And, you know, when we talk about facilities, you know, Hawaii could not compete with schools that had – and it's not facilities. And, and fi- let, me, let me finish the point on that. It's not facilities. It's budgets. Mm. The budgets to be able to, on a seemingly biannual basis, improve what you have that some schools like Hawaii can do here and there – but not on what is a seemingly regular cycle, um, you know, because Hawaii does not have a Power Five budget, as compared to a lot of bigger schools who may run in the red, but they have more money to spend. So I I think the the use that people have of um, how would I say it the use that people have of um, facilities. Is it's it's too easy. It's it's like low hanging fruit that really isn't actually the biggest problem. Yeah. Um, the other thing we talk and about. We're re- sorry. We're sorry. This team is recruiting without top tier facilities right now. Yeah. We are getting verbal commitments from three star 
talented players from national powerhouse high schools mm-hmm. without Power 5 facilities. It's not everything. Right. I think the other thing, um, and texture from the 292, Hawaii ain't never going to be in a power conference, not going to want to play in a high school football field. Um, again. It's not a high school football field now. It's not. It's not. Um it's it's not a power five field, but it's not a it's not a high school football field, and it's not stopping people from considering Hawaii even if they don't choose it. Also, UCLA last year they play in um, the they play in the Rose Bowl in the Rose Bowl, and they didn't have many people. No, they had like ten thousand people coming yeah. to those games. I see Maybe. you guys on the phones. We'll get to you in a second at eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty. Maybe ten thousand. So venues are one thing. Actual people that show up is something completely different. Well, people could say the same thing about us. I know. I know. I just. No, but you're right. Again, it goes back to what I said. It's low hanging fruit that isn't necessarily the problem or the reason. It's just it's easy for people to to go grab because they think that that's that's the thing. It it really isn't. Um, The other thing. And I want to get to on the other side. We were talking. I I said this last hour. I don't believe a Hawaii head coach will ever make a million dollars again. Um, I got a groan from you on that one. Uh, <laughs> I'll I'll explain my point on that coming up. Um, first, let's see what Gems Paul brings us today. Hi, Paul. Mm. Hi, buddies. Hi, friends. Hi, buddies, Paul. huh? For, so slow, slow, my... slow your roll on that one, Paul. Buddies. Huh. We're buddies. We can go to Velocity. No, okay. Well, uh, you can go to Velocity. We're actually working. Call. Yeah, go for it. Oh, honestly? Oh, you guys aren't going to be there? Well, I mean, I'm we're on the air until 6 there. o'clock. So, I mean, I if think, we get there, it's oh, probably for the last few minutes. Is it done already? It oh, starts at gosh. 6. Oh, wow. Where's my calendar? Anyway, um, you know, can I, can I mention, okay, with regard to June Jones and Rolo, this is going to sound unpopular. Uh, what? Imagine new? that. Imagine that. Yeah. Okay. So June Jones, let's start with him. Okay. He had, he basically had money coming into this and he basically said, this is what he wanted to do coach here. And so what happened? You know, there was this disconnect between him and Herman Fraser. And, uh, you know, there were to me, we, we've seen him demonstrate, through uh, letters to the editor, that he can be vocal. So what happened? You know, this was his dream job, basically. And, and you know, I don't think it was the money for him. It, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say what. If we ever meet, I'll tell you what I do for a living. But I cannot believe what I do for a living. It's like exactly what I should be doing. I could get paid a little more, but that I can live in Hawaii and work from home, uh, you know, uh, that adds into everything, man. And, you know, I, I know with my position, there are other jobs in the mainland that I can get that pay. But, no, man, I want to live here. And, you know, this is my dream job. And that's what you mean when you say this is your dream job, you know, when you, mm. especially with because when he has the money. Okay, now, Rolo, slightly. You know, I can see his point of view. He needed to go somewhere. You know, he had kids and uh, family, right? So... Um, I hear myself echo. So he had to take that. But what did, what did he do anyway? The, you know, uh, Gary Dickman's uh, nightmare when he told the you know the Washington the Pullman audience these are the best athletes ever. How you know that that stung too. And look, the ultimate he wasn't body, wrong. Gonna, 
He was. Oh, you. Oh, Mr. Hunter. He was and I, I, and I can, man. Paul, if anyone can speak on this, it's me, my friend. I was on one of Rolo's teams. There's a difference. No, no. Between... He, he, he said, oh, what? He, he called the Cougars the best athletes. I mean, you just don't say that. Why and not? Then, you know, because, look, he came back. It doesn't mean that it's wrong. <laughs> he, it doesn't mean, yeah. He, he wa- and he wants to come back, man. Uh, he, you know. Your circumstance now, now, you know, it's like a Greek tragedy with Rolo. So, you know, you have what well, my point is you got these two instances where both guys basically said, This is my dream job. Come on, man. Mean it. Mean it. I hope, I hope Coach Chang means it. I, I hope too. he's here for the 10 the ten year plan. He said he's a 10 year plan. I hope he's there because Northwestern needs a new coach. Minnesota might need a new coach. So I hope he means it. Okay, I'm going to listen up here. Here's the thing. Thank you, thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Here, here's the thing. You and many others take things so darn personally. So bleeping personally. And I get it. I get it. I can speak from firsthand experience. No, I, 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 I'm not even talking about the athletes part. Yeah. I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. I'm mm. not even talking about that. Okay. It's, you know, people... People who take it so darn personal that when someone's here and they say that they love Hawaii and they say that they have their dream job, that when they leave, they think that they're traitors. Yeah. They think that their words were fake. They feel and like those people care were about insincere. Hawaii or anything. Yeah. Like, come on. People forget. And I, I know we're running up on the break. I, I don't care at this point because yeah. I need to finish this point. People forget. That these people also have livelihoods and they have careers that they want to build on. So when people talk about, you know, I, June Jones left Hawaii to go to SMU. It doesn't mean he didn't love Hawaii. That's right. It doesn't mean he didn't want, you know, didn't really care about the Hawaii job. He did. SMU was willing to pay him more. SMU was willing to take care of their facilities better. You know, put soap in the bleeping showers. And you want to get mad because June Jones left. Stop. Nick Rolovich left. Look, he did a lot with the Hawaii program. He left. You got a Power 5 program that's willing to pay him over a million dollars. He's moving up the ladder in his career because people do. Yep. Coaches do. It's not It's not just a mainland thing. You can't blame him. People do. It doesn't mean he didn't love Hawaii. doesn't mean he didn't have a dream job. doesn't mean he lied to you. People do. Stop taking it so personal. Traffic on the way. It's off the bench. Uh, traffic and Sports Center coming up. Uh, Hunter, enough time for you to finish your thought. Uh, I kind of stepped in front of you. I apologize. Oh, okay. Paul mentioned what Nick uh, Nick Rolovich had said about you know, having the best athletes at Washington State. Um, step up on that one before we uh, go to traffic. Yeah. Uh, I remember seeing that video. And what he said was, this is the greatest group of athletes I've had the pleasure of coaching. I took no offense to it. Mm-hmm. It's nothing against... Hawaii is nothing against his former teams. That guy loved us. And we loved him. We were willing to run through a brick wall for that guy. And by the way, it's the same coach who gave me, literally Hunter Hughes, a scholarship when I never set foot on the field. That, that That's someone who cares about things beyond just what they bring him and puts money in his pocket. It's right. it, it speaks to his character. 
And at that time, he was trying to win over a new fan base, win over a new team and a group of uh, student athletes. And let me break it to uh, break this hard news to you guys. Pac-12 student athletes, generally speaking, bigger, stronger, faster than us. That's right. Uh, Traffic Sports Center next. It's off the bench. Final words coming up. I promise I'll use my uh, my indoor voice. <laughs> Final words. I, I got. I'm. I'm sorry. Paul got me a little mad. He got me. He got me upset. He he triggered something I've been feeling for years, and haven't really had the opportunity to talk about for years. And then he just like lit the match, and I went off like an illegal firework. Um, that that got me. I will. I will be better. I will handle it better. <laughs> um, we were talking about coaches this, earlier in the show. You know, playing off of the the hypothetical that you brought up, I I said no coach will make a million dollars at Hawaii again. Yeah, it's been a little while since that's happened. Of course, you you go back to the June Jones days, and then and, and then. Uh, um, Greg McMacken and, and down the line. Here's why. Um, I think first and foremost, Hawaii has shown that it is not a, a place where you're going to hire, for example, and, and, and please don't use this in the now what we know phase, but you're, Hawaii's probably not going to be in a position to hire a Todd Graham or June Jones, um, I think, and I and I think of David Matlin. To me, David Matlin's successful hires, uh, or hires I have at least agreed with um, on the football side. I agreed with the Rolo hire. Um, I felt like that was the right hire at the right time because he was someone who I believed had had a ceiling that he could he could re- he could meet. Um, mm. Had a lot of upside. And you know what? That was proven right because a power five gave him an opportunity. Timmy Chang is coached for a while, knows Hawaii. I believe that he had that same ability like Nick Rolovich. Yes. Um, it also allows Hawaii to not be in a position where they have to spend a million dollars on a coach a year. Uh, I look at other hires that Hawaii has had under now previous athletic director David Matlin and the other the only other one that comes to mind that has been successful in that range would be Robin Amo hmm. on the volleyball side. She has continued to get Hawaii to NCAA tournaments. Um, you know, for those that that think that I mean they're winning Big West Conference championships, I think it's all but one, I think, since she's uh since she's taken the job. They are successful. Robin did not have necessarily an extensive coaching background, nope. but got in her love for Hawaii, yep. her ability to, you know, to, to work players hard, but allow them to trust her even harder. And taking over for the Coach K of right. women's volleyball. Right. Um, you know, I think all of that, those are the kind of hires that what that not just Hawaii, but other programs similar to Hawaii are. Yeah. Hawaii is a program that is a coach builder, not a 
Um, you know, not a place where you're a coach recruiter. So, you know, if for whatever reason, you know, you're able to land, you know, you get successful, you know, people worry about how, oh, um, you know, we, we worry that they're going to be so successful that they're going to leave. And again, you know, don't get me started on the people taking personal stuff. But to me, it's the ultimate sign of flattery that you got that person their start. They, um, you know, they did so well. A, a power five school wanted to come and grab them, and they said yes. And what are they always going to say? The first things first, Hawaii gave me that shot. Hawaii gave me that opportunity. I got better. I became something yep. that allowed me to propel. The only way that a coach ends up getting to that point where they make a million dollars at Hawaii is if they spurn those opportunities, they stay at Hawaii, they continue to have success, they get to a point where Hawaii wants to be competitive, other schools are are being competitive and throwing out offers, and Hawaii continues to try to match that and try to keep them to you know try to keep them around. Maybe you get to that point. But we were talking during the break. I think you said something that I I think I kind of jumped back on. Um, what meets that success? What meets that ability to say, all right, yeah. we want to be more competitive in how we pay you. What is that goal? What's that threshold to get there? Mm. Um, for football. For football. Because I, I know you mentioned Hawaii Bowls, right? Yep. Well, the, remind people of that. Sure. So, I, again, I'm going specifically off of Rolo's, Rolo's career. Right. Because this is the last time we experienced this. Mm-hmm. Was... The Chow era was not good. No. Terrible. Rolo comes in, and in his first season, we get a bowl win. We win the Hawaii Bowl against Middle Tennessee. It was my junior year. Um, he goes on to, um, I believe we go to the Hawaii Bowl two more times. And over his career, we won three, or we won two out of three Hawaii Bowls. And one of those was a... Mountain West, West Division champions in 2019. And we ultimately lost to Boise. Boise in the championship that year. So greener pastures came calling after, after that. Mm-hmm. And so if we are looking at where we're at right now, we've got a coach who set NCAA – and all-time records here for us here at University of Hawaii in Timmy Chang. Born and raised over here. To Paul's phone call, Timmy has come out and said, I've, I never left Hawaii in my heart. I've always wanted to come back. Believe it. I believe it too. We've got a, an opportunity here with someone who doesn't want to be somewhere else, at least from what we understand right now. Yeah. And all, all evidence points to that being 100% true. If he's winning consistent Hawaii Bulls, why wouldn't we want to keep him here? See, that's um, I think where where you and I I think differ because yeah, you you want to win Hawaii Bulls, but I think that to me, maybe because I'm looking at it a little bit differently. Um, when I hear winning multiple Hawaii Bowls would be in a position where you want to keep a coach and try it. Well, not obviously want to keep a coach, but maybe pay the coach more. It reminds me of uh, going back to pre, um, going back to the McMackin era, I guess. Mm. 
um, that the program has fallen back that the next or the, the step to revert back to is getting well, we've got past the step of getting to a bowl. The um, you know the next step is to win multiple, which to me sounds a little bit like what it was previously, which means the program is in a rebound. If we if you didn't, and I, I guess to your point, if you take away the child stuff previously, and you take away um, you know tough first year for Timmy, you take away some of the problems within the the UH program under uh, under Todd Graham. My reasoning for wanting to pay a coach more, wanting to give him a long-term extension would be either two things. One, back-to-back 10-win seasons, or two, um, one appearance minimum in a conference championship game. Okay. And I say the one appearance minimum because Hawaii's only been in one since being in the Mountain West, and Hawaii is not the class of the Mountain West, whether we'd like to hear it or not. Boise State has been that consistently for a long time. When you can find a way to try to upset that in some way, even if you lose in that game, and I see you guys on the phones, we'll get to you in a second. When you find a way to upset that in some way, that to me tells me, hey, you are deserving of our ability to do more. Sure. It's hard to do that now with Timmy, and I see what you're talking yeah. about. Timmy needs to win, and and I'm not saying he has to do it this year, but he has to move the program forward to the point where it can start winning to then be able to say and justify, all right, let's get him more money. The, let's get him more years. The, you know, and the 10-win season benchmark is an interesting one for me because put aside running the table in conference, that uh-huh. means that we are beating – you know, a good power five team. Well, keep in mind, Craig Angelus wants to change that. But at least one of those, uh-huh. at least one of those uh, B, okay? Yep. His his B right, right, tier right. Um, in the scheduling, we, we would need to beat one of those B um, power five teams. Let's say hi to Ray at 2960, uh, 808-296-1420. What's up, Ray? Hey, how are you guys? Good, man. Yourself? Good. Life is good. No complaints. Uh, love the show as usual. Listen, the way I look at it, UH football needs to be on a reset right now. Reset. Complete mm. reset. We're dealing with so many things. The list is long. We've talked about it a thousand times. We just have to be patient. Hit the reset button. we yep. got a guy that's going to look out for, number one, the student athletes. I doubt they're going to have any problems with having soap in the showers. You follow me? Mm-hmm. Yep. So that is super important. The mindset of this university has to change. It has to change completely. Therefore, we need a reset. I think we got the right guy. Uh, yep. Wins will, will make, you know, people just want to see a good product. Bowls are important, but we want to have an identity. An identity that is exciting to watch the kids play and watch them grow as student athletes. So we have to be patient, press that reset button, and move forward. Love your show. Love Great. your show, guys. Thanks, Appreciate Ray. you, Ray. Thank you for calling in. Reset. You like that word? Um, it's interesting. I, I feel like in some ways we've already reset, mm-hmm. um, especially in opposition to the culture, the vibe, the feeling that was the Graham era. 
I feel like we've absolutely reset from that. Uh, night and day difference being down at practice um, compared to back then. Night and day. So, yes, and I, I appreciate the, the, under, the underlying uh, element that I think he was hinting at was patience. Uh, yeah, I think we all can agree on that. Yeah, that, that well, I shouldn't say we all, but I think many people do. That the the patience with this program, we are we're on the cusp, and it feels like we are on the rise. It is uh, probably still a little unfair to hope for Mountain West contention at this point with, with oh, the definitely. team. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know if I don't want to put words in Ray's mouth, but I completely agree with continuing to have patience with the program this season. Texter from the 292 in our Zephyr Insurance text line first says, uh, Nick Rolovich ain't going to be a coach in Hawaii again. Presidents of universities don't like coaches suing their university. Uh, then says, Hawaii football is always going to be a stepping stone job. I mean, it Maybe is. Maybe not necessarily. I mean, it is until someone defies it. Once someone defies it and is able to stay for a long time, make the kind of money necessary to stay at that job, um, then it doesn't become a stepping stone job. But until that point, it is what it is. And it's not, it's, it's, it's not a negative term. Uh, it just it, it is. Um, Texter also says, got to win multiple conference championships, not Hawaii Bowls. Uh, Texter from the 223, I also think that we have reset. We just need to pick up speed and keep going. Um from the 304, uh, until the UH football program becomes a national power, the head coach job will always be a stepping stone program. Some fans are foolish to think otherwise. Uh, Unless you get someone like potentially Timmy who doesn't want to be anywhere else. Yeah. And you know what? We had that with June up until a certain point, right? right. June didn't want to be anywhere else. This was home. Mm -hmm. It still is home it for is, him. Yeah. So th that's what it requires. Again, we, we've brought up at different points on this show is the continual every four or five years getting a new coach in here is a broken model, and we have to break it. Yep. Uh, one more texture from the 233. Coach Mack got paid a mill, and that was heavily scrutinized since he was the highest-paid state employee. Uh, Timmy Chang is the highest-paid state employee right now. Um, the thing is, I mean, it, that happens everywhere. It's, yep. it's not new anymore, and um, you, no one's going to fight the fact that the head football coach makes more than the mayor, and he makes more than the governor. I don't hear anybody saying Nick Saban should take a pay cut. Nope. Um, you know, that, anything, they're finding ways to pay him more. That's right. Um, you know, it, it, I think for us, it's not a number that you're accustomed to, and also how many people really know how much the governor makes. Not, not a lot of people do, but you know, it. I, I, I think it. It really does come down to meeting a standard that people will say deserves the ability to get more, mm -hmm. make more, to to earn more, et cetera. Um, and I think we, I think you and I and others, I think have our own standards, which is cool because you know why it means there's a passion in the program that we believe some of our standards, maybe my standards, a bit too high. Um, you know, and it's okay to have a high standard. Um, you know, winning Hawaii Bowls is not, a, 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 you know, a, a boring thing. It's important when you haven't won a lot of them lately. 
So, you know, each of these standards, I think, is important and meaningful. Now, you, whatever standard the University of Hawaii believes should be the standard, now you got to hit it hmm. uh, and, and, and make it move from there. All right, traffic here. Final words. It's off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. We never knew how to forfeit. But we always knew how to talk. All right, um... Final words in a moment. I do. I do want to read a um, couple text messages on um, some of them related to my frustration. By the way, uh, a little earlier in the show, I do want to um, do want to address that. Texter from the two nine one. I was appalled hearing such an outburst from you, Josh. But we're all humans and make mistakes. We are not perfect. You did good apologizing. Also said, I'm elated you apologized on the radio concerning Paul's opinion. You need to set a professional standard to your protege, Hunter. <laughs> I, I, I want to say, by the way, Thank it you. wasn't directed at Paul. It's as someone who's born in Hawaii, lived in Hawaii all my life. Um, it's just this pent up frustration over people taking things personally that aren't personal. And then using it as like an attack. And it's happened with Hawaii football coaches. It's happened with with Hawaii coaches in general. It's happened with a lot of people in general. And it's gotten to a point where I'm just tired. Honestly, I'm I'm really tired. And it 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 wasn't again, like I said, it wasn't at Paul. It was at this constant fact that I keep hearing it. And it is it is garbage. It is straight garbage. So to the second one, texter from the 627. Dear Mr. Josh, that really was written. I did take it personally when those events happened to feel betrayed. But listening to your guys' passionate plea about life progressions, I now see your point of view and not to hold good people back. Thanks. I learned something from the show today. Mahalos. Wow. I don't. I don't want to stay on it. It's probably going to come up in another show. I just. First off, it's hard to live here. Yep. Second off, you can love something and leave it, but still love it at the same time. Seasons. Um, real quick before final words, you reminded me we've got. This is an awkward transition. <laughs> um, ESPN. Eight, the Ocho is back, and we've been doing our series of uh, watchable or unwatchable. Uh, so, Hunter, I'm going to give you a couple more before your final words. Perfect. One, Moss Krug Stemmen Stein Holding Competition. What? It's a Stein Holding Competition. Okay. I think it's like holding beer steins. Yeah. Filled or unfilled? Um, I would imagine it has to be I think filled. I've heard of this. Filled. Okay. There you go. I wonder if you're able to anchor the arm, like, on your... No. your Really? It's got yeah. to be extended? Yeah. Dang. Yeah. I wonder what the world record is for that. There is, believe it or not, training techniques... I believe it. ...for stein holding. Yes. So, uh, is that a yes or no from you? Um, if you time-lapse it, I will watch it. Oh. But you've got to imagine this is in the, like, two, three-hour mark. Minimum of Probably. holding They that cannot thing. hold. No, 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 no. All right, it's Liz, like inform us. Really? The ones I've seen, at least. I haven't seen some. 
someone hold them longer now, than if like it's, 13 minutes. I if think. it's televised on the Ocho, we might be getting a, a higher grade of Steinholders up in here, though. Maybe. Wow. This is gonna I turn- would watch it. It's pretty it's pretty hilarious seeing them just like shake and yeah. sweat beads, you know. It's it's funny. And that all goes into your beer, which you can't drink afterward. Ew. Um last one, this is gonna end up being our final word. So thirty seconds here. Uh grass drag racing. <laughs> Cars hunter. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> and that, that, ladies and gentlemen, just a few of the things that represent the 43 hours of ESPN 8, the Ocho. The Craig Angela Show is coming to ESPN Honolulu August 1st <laughs> at Velocity in Honolulu. Check it out. It's hosted by uh, Kanoa Leahy and the uh, AD Craig Angelus. It is brought to you by the JN Group and by H-Camp, the Hawaii Con- <laughs> Concussion Awareness Management Program. Hunter's gone. Uh, I-, I hope we can get him back tomorrow. Uh, Freddie and Fitzsimmons is coming up next. It's ESPN Honolulu.